please open your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We'll be focusing in on verse 36 through 38. However, for context, we will also be reading John chapter 18, verse 15 through 18, and verse 25 through 27, uh, to see the fulfillment of this prophecy that Christ spoke to Peter. We'll be reading then John 13, verse 36 through 38, and then John 18, verse 15 through 18, and 25 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, Truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. John 18, verse 15 through 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. In verse 25 through 27, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it and at once a rooster crowed. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, let's pray. Lord, we look here upon the failure of one of your servants. Yet even though you are steadfast in mercy, we too fail. We look upon his pride, Lord. We see our pride. Teach us then, Lord, to look upon Jesus Christ. See that we cannot do anything on our own. Rely upon Him. Turn to Him for all our needs. In Jesus' name, Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, it has been said often that the most famous last words are, Look what I can do. Somehow people often believe they can do things that are far beyond their own ability. If you were to look into your own lives, brothers and sisters, I'm sure that you would find this to be true. Perhaps in the past you have procrastinated because you thought a certain job would be very easy only to find that by the time you actually went to do it, it was far too hard for you to accomplish in that time. 
Perhaps you signed up for an event only to realize that it was too much for you. You couldn't make it to the event or you were too tired. For you who are children here in the congregation, certainly there was a time in your life where you tried jumping off something that was too high or you tried climbing up something that was too difficult and you got scared or perhaps you tried to do a trick only to get hurt. All this is because we think too highly of ourselves. We consistently overrate our ability to perform. We think, I can do this. Look what I can do. Only to very quickly realize we're not actually able to do it. The congregation, this is also true for our spiritual lives, isn't it? Far too often, the new believer is the one who thinks he's mature. The weak believer is the one who thinks he's strong. The foolish believer is the one who thinks he's wise. We imagine ourselves to be good. We imagine ourselves to be doing well. We imagine that we can make it in this world only to realize that in the moment when we should be most vigilant, most relying upon God, we thought that we could make it by ourselves. We can easily become puffed up with pride and believe even we have a right to God's affection or, or even his admiration. This pride, this overstatement, this overestimation of our abilities, brothers and sisters, is exactly what we see in Peter tonight. Peter hears all these things and he begins to think, well, wh why can't I follow after Jesus. He examines himself and he comes to the conclusion that he is better than he really is. That he can help Jesus out. Peter is in the end just like us. Though he was an apostle, though he was chosen by God for the building up of the church, he was a man just like us in every way. How does Christ handle Peter's pride here? How does he confront a man who believes he's able to help Jesus out? Well, let's look at the text and find out. First, we see Peter's insistent zeal. Peter's insistent zeal. We could also say Peter's pride here in verse 36 and 37. Once again, consider the context of the passage. In these final moments of Jesus' life, he's approaching his death, knowing what's about to happen, and his entire life, and indeed from eternity past, he's been preparing for this moment. And as Jesus prepares for this final moment, brothers and sisters, as he walks towards the cross, as we saw this morning, he says to them, where I am going, you cannot follow. We saw that this morning in verse uh, 31 through 35, especially in verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Brothers and sisters, Jesus declares this, and the disciples begin to wonder what's going on. They have some knowledge, certainly, 
of his upcoming death. They have some vague understanding. They're not ready for it. But they begin to ask themselves, why not? Why can't I, after all, follow Jesus Christ? And so we see this doubt, this this thought beginning to grow in the disciples' hearts. And finally, Peter himself speaks up and he says, well, why not? Verse uh, 36 and 37. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. He asks Christ, well, what's up with this? Why can't I follow you? Certainly he should have known Christ is speaking of the cross, saying, I cannot go. He may have had some idea because he does say, I'm ready to lay down my life for you. But on the other hand, it's not certain that Peter is fully aware of Christ's death. It's possible he thinks that Jesus is going on a long journey. It's possible that he thinks that Jesus is going to prison. He knows, after all, that the Jewish leaders are searching for him. And so he says, well, why not? Jesus responds, you cannot follow now. Where I am going, you may follow afterward. We won't spend very long on this portion this week, because next week we'll look at it more in greater detail in chapter 14. Christ speaks of the fact that he is going away, but he will return. But for now, it should be clear to us, brothers and sisters, that Jesus seeks to comfort Peter. He says, yes, you can't go with me now. There will come a day when you are with me once more, as we saw this morning and as we'll see next week. But Peter is not content with this. He does not want to listen to Jesus' words here. And so he says in verse 36, once more, or verse 37, excuse me, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Brothers and sisters, these words betray much about Peter's heart that evening. They teach us an awful lot about his frame of mind, and they show us that Peter had a lot of pride in his heart. Why do I say this? Well, there's four things particularly that show us the pride of Peter's heart. First, Peter was proud in his impatience. Peter was proud in his impatience. When Jesus says, you cannot follow me now, Peter responds with, why can't I follow you now? The word in Greek here is actually, there's two different words here. Jesus says, you cannot follow me now. And he says, it's the word noon. And it's, it means a general time. But Peter uses the word arti which is speaking of right now, at this moment. And so what Jesus is saying is, you cannot follow me at the present time. There will come a time when you will follow me. But Peter says, why can't I follow you right now, at this moment? Jesus, come on, let's go. Let's go out there. Let's face what we have to face. We'll go right now. We can do it. Second, Peter's pride is shown in his doubt. Notice how directly he questions Jesus. 
doubting of the exact words that Jesus says. You cannot go with me now. And he says, well, why not? Why can't I follow you? He's heard Jesus preaching for three years. He has seen that Jesus has never been wrong. And yet he says, well, why not after all? He knows that Jesus has preached about his death. But he says, why not? So proud as to doubt that Jesus is right. So proud as to expect that he can follow with him. To contradict Christ. In the third place, brothers and sisters, Peter's pride is shown in his bragging. In his bragging, he says, I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus was about to lay down his life for Peter's sake. And yet Peter is so proud as to say, no, I'll lay down my life for your sake. What pride. It's almost as if Peter thinks that Jesus needs him in some way. As if if only Peter is there with Jesus, well then Jesus won't suffer the things that he needs to go through. As if, if Peter is there with Jesus, he can stop what's about to happen. As if Jesus will get some blessing from Peter following him. What pride, brothers and sisters. Finally, Peter's pride is shown in his rash self-confidence. In his rash self-confidence. The other Gospels record more details about Peter's words here. In Matthew, Peter says, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. In Luke, Peter says, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter believed he was not only able to follow Christ, but to suffer the hardships he suffered. Wherever Jesus went, Peter would go. Whatever Jesus does, Peter thinks he can do too. It's like that song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Peter certainly didn't know the song. It was written far later. But this is the, the content of his heart. The congregation, this is not the only time in Scripture that Peter shows his pride. Peter's entire character in the Gospels is seemingly to leap before he looks. He consistently, constantly proclaims his zeal for Christ, how ready to help Christ he is, how zealous he is for Christ's honor, and consistently, constantly, he steps in it. He falls flat on his face because though he proclaims his zeal, his pride outstrips who he truly is. Take a few examples. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus upon the Sea of Galilee. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. After only taking a few steps, he's afraid and he begins to sink. It's only when Christ caught him that he stopped sinking and Christ declares, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Matthew chapter 16, a couple chapters later, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What a high point of Peter's career. What a beautiful proclamation. And yet only a few verses later, Peter begins to take Christ aside and reprimand him because Christ begins speaking of his death. He says, Lord, far be it from you. You'll never die. 
And Christ has to reprimand Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not thinking of the things of heaven, but of earth. Again, we see this as Peter continues on, further on in his life. Matthew 17, he's taken with some of the other disciples, given the opportunity to see Christ in his glory. Jesus and a couple other disciples go to the Mount of Transfiguration. Christ's face is transformed. He is glorious beyond glory. Moses and Elijah meet with him, and Peter thinks to honor Christ. And he says, Lord, why don't we make a a tabernacle for you and for Moses and for Elijah? He puts Christ on the same level as Moses and Elijah and thinks to honor Christ. And there too, he's reprimanded by God the Father himself saying, this is my son, listen to him. Or how about what happened just a few minutes before our passage this evening, where Peter refuses to allow himself to be washed. And it's only when Jesus says, if you will not be washed, you have no part of me. And Peter responds with, well, wash, wash my whole body then, Lord. We could come up with other examples, but I think it makes the point clear enough. Peter wants to show his zeal, his love for Christ. He wants to be the first to proclaim his care. But all the while, because of Peter's pride, his attempts continue to fall flat. Time after time, and every time he's rebuked. Finally, this comes to a head in Peter's words here. Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Congregation, unfortunately, Peter's attitude is often our own. We too can have Peter syndrome. Our pride leads us to impatience, to doubting, to questioning God's will, to even asserting ourselves before Christ, to placing ourselves before him, to thinking somehow that we'll be a blessing to him and not the reverse. Compare Peter's pride to our own lives, brothers and sisters, and I think you'll find that we are not so different from him. Just as last week we saw that Judas's uh, acts as traitors, or as a traitor, were close to our own, so too Peter's pride so close to our own. Peter was impatient. He wasn't content to wait for God's timing. And what about us? How do we act when we're faced with something that is not in our timing? An unexpected problem, a delay in our lives. How do we act with setbacks and goals that we have? How do you feel, brothers and sisters, when you're not married at your timing or when you don't have children exactly when you want to have them? when you can't find a job at the moment that you want it, and you search, and your timing is not lining up with God's timing. Are we not prone towards impatience? And what about our doubt? Peter doubted God's judgment. He believed Jesus could be wrong in this regard, saying, why can't I follow you now? And what about us? Far too often we act like Peter, why can't I? is what we say. Why can't I live in this or that way? Why can't I do this or that thing? Why will you have me do this instead of that? 
Again, Peter bragged. He proclaimed he could somehow help Jesus. But what about us when we think of our salvation or when we consider God's sanctifying work in us? What attitude do we have so often but to say, well, I can do it myself. Look what I can do to have pride in what we have accomplished. To think God is happy with us because what we have done. To not recognize that if we have anything at all, it is because Christ gave it to us. It can be so easy to believe that I can help myself. I can help others out because I have it all figured out. Finally, Peter was rashly self-confident. He believed that he would never fall, that his love for Jesus was so flawless that he could face death unafraid. And what about our hearts, brothers and sisters? Do you not find self-confidence creeping in all the time? How do you react when someone else falls into sin? Is it not often our first thought that, wow, I would never do that? I'm far better than them. Or how horrible. How could do someone do something so awful? Our pride makes us blind to the fact that if there is anything good in us whatsoever, it's only because God helps us up. We often have Peter syndrome. Brothers and sisters, what's the solution to this pride? What is the solution to this overconfidence that crops up in our hearts day after day, because it really does. One Puritan puts it this way. He says, pride is the undershirt of the soul. It is the first put on and the last put off. When we think we're doing well, pride springs up. And it's the last thing to go when we're in the depths of our sin. It's the last thing for us to say, wait a minute. I can't do this by myself. How is this solved? What is the answer to our pride and our confidence? Well, to be humble. That's what we see here Christ doing for Peter. Humbling him. We see this in verse 38, Peter's coming denial. Peter's coming denial. Christ responds to Peter in verse 38. He says, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter had shown his heart. Christ doesn't respond with anger. He doesn't respond harshly. Once more, he shows his deep love and his care for the disciples in these final moments. He gives a calm, a reasonable response. But it is a response that breaks down everything Peter says here. It takes Peter's words and it reverses them. It turns them on their heads. We said that Peter bragged. He says, I will lay down my life for you. Oh, how does Jesus respond? He says, will you Lay your life down for me. Notice the emphasis here. 
First, Peter, Jesus is clearly saying that Peter will not lay down his life for him at that moment. But he's also saying this. You think you'll die for me. Peter, I am about to die for you. Jesus is once more drawing his disciples yet deeper and saying, My death is coming. Peter, you're ready to die for me? No, I will die for you. In only a few hours, you will see what you were unable to do for me. I am doing for you. Where Peter brags about how ready he is for death, Jesus is the one who is preparing to die. He wants Peter to know that Jesus' death is coming, that Peter can do nothing ultimately to help Jesus. Again, we said that Peter was rashly overconfident, that he, he spoke of, of how he was ready even if no one else was. Even though Peter claims he'll lay his life down for Jesus, Jesus prophesies that far from it, Peter will deny him three times. This prophecy, as we already read, is fulfilled only a few chapters later in John chapter 18. Not only was Peter not ready to die for Jesus, he will deny Jesus. And he will deny him not once, not twice, but three times. Time and time again. He was given every opportunity to confess Christ. To lay down his life for his sake. But he can't even confess his name. Indeed, the other Gospels tell us that the final time Peter brings down curses upon himself. Some translations say that he blasphemed and said, I do not know the man. This from a man who said, even if everyone else is made to stumble because of me, I will never be made to stumble. Again, Jesus responds to Peter's Impatience. We said that Peter was impatient. He said, why can I not go with you right now at this moment? And Peter had declared he was ready to follow Jesus right now, but Jesus told him he will deny him in only a few hours. Will Peter go with him right now? Well, no. By the end of that same night, he would deny Christ three times. Before the cock crows, before the rooster sings, will deny him three times. Congregation Jesus systematically destroys the declaration that Peter makes here, point by point. He shows that Peter's bragging was in vain, that his pride was in vain, that indeed Peter could do nothing to help Christ. He was telling Peter, Peter, you think you can help me, but you don't realize how helpless you truly are. I am the one who will help you by my death. Peter, you think you are strong. You don't realize how weak you truly are. I am the one who will shoulder your burdens. You think you're ready to lay down your life, but you don't know how unready you truly are. But I have been prepared to lay down my life. For you, where Peter was proud, Christ wants to teach him, you cannot help yourself, but I will help. 
Unfortunately, at this moment, Peter did not learn his lesson. It wasn't until after he denies Christ that he repents. The other Gospels tell us that Peter continued with his pride. Mark says that Peter spoke more vehemently. He said, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. It wasn't until Peter denied Jesus a few hours later that he saw how weak he truly was. And other Gospels tell us that he went out and wept bitterly. Congregation, learn from Peter's pride tonight. When you find pride and self-confidence in your heart, then humble yourselves. Let Christ's words here teach you. Will you lay down your life for me? Well, who knows? One day you may be called to lay down your life for Christ, not in the same way, certainly. We could never do for Christ. But in the end, brothers and sisters, learn from this passage. You can do nothing on your own. If you look to yourself for strength, if you in your pride imagine that you can help God, that you are strong in your own ability, you will fail. But if you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, then know this. Christ died for you. And He is a great and loving King who can give us the strength to continue, not by our strength, but by His own. Not by might, nor by power, but by my arm, declares the Lord. Peter's story, by God's grace, at the very end was not one that ended in failure. Though he did deny Christ at this moment, Christ called him to continue. As we see at the end of the book of John, Christ commands Peter, feed my sheep. He was forgiven by Christ. The rest of his life he spent preaching God's word. Years down the road he was able to say with the book of Proverbs in his epistles, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. At the end of his life, while he did not die for Christ, he did die confessing Christ. He was able to go in one sense where Christ went both figuratively and literally. In his death, he did not recant Christ. In fact, church traditions record that Peter was crucified for his faith. And his last action, at least according to church tradition, certainly we can't be certain about this, but far from denying Christ, his last action was to ask that he be crucified upside down because he didn't think himself worthy of the same death as his Savior. The lesson of Peter's denial should teach us, brothers and sisters, that we can't make it on our own. Unless we are held up by Christ, we will fail at every moment. But on the contrary, Christ set out to do the very thing we cannot do, to die in our place. Dear friend, if you do not know this Christ, then come to Him. If you are proud and think that you can do something to help God, Come to Him. He is the one who died for the sakes of all who come to Him. Don't let your pride get in the way. Pray for Him to uphold you. Pray for His humility. Because as Peter later said, God resists the proud, but gives grace 
to the humble. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Lord, we come before you tonight praying that you would be blessed and glorified in our actions, yet knowing that nothing we can do in ourselves is of any beauty, of any good whatsoever, except Christ make it so. Lord, we pray then that we would throw away pride, that we would have nothing to do with a desire for helping the Lord who needs not our help. Rather, Lord, give us humility. Give us a heart which seeks you out. Give us a heart to praise you and to glorify you in humility. Teach us rather than proclaim our steadfastness, to proclaim the steadfastness of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.